You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is Black Hollywood Live. Justice is served. Featuring the week's roundup and commentary on legal news. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, Justice is served. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Justice is Served. I'm your host, Mari Fagel. I'm joined by my lovely co-hosts, Lonnie Coombs and Rawa Gebre-Ab. Thank you so much for joining me. Great to be here. And uh, now this is the show where we give you all of the latest in legal news. We had a special guest caller that was supposed to call in today, Mark Garagos, the famed criminal defense attorney who has represented every celebrity in the book. When a celebrity gets in trouble, he's the one you want to call. He actually had to jump on an earlier flight back from the back east. So uh, unfortunately, he can't join us on the phone today. But I do want to continue talking about two major cases of his that are in the news this week. Uh, The first one is the ever-present on this show, Chris Brown. (laughs) And the second one is an interesting lawsuit stemming from the death of Paul Walker in that fiery car crash in the Porsche. Uh, So first I'm going to talk about Chris Brown. Now, Chris Brown has been on this show a lot, as I have said. He's or We've been talking about him a lot on this show. Uh, He admitted to a probation violation in D.C. Now, remember, this is an incident where allegedly uh, someone photobombed a picture of his when he was at a hotel in D.C. and he decided to clock the guy. He decided to beat him up. So Chris Brown admitted to the probation violation, but Mark Ergos, his attorney, says that doesn't mean it's a confession in the criminal case that he is facing in D.C. That just means that he's admitted to the probation violation, which is a lower standard of proof. It is more likely than not that he violated probation, but that doesn't mean that it's beyond a reasonable doubt that he beat up this guy in D.C. So there's two different standards going on. Uh, but it was an interesting maneuver to me for him to admit to the probation violation. The consequences of that was he was um, sentenced to another 131 days in jail. He very well could get out soon because of jail overcrowding and because of time already spent in jail. But Lonnie, as a prosecutor, first I want to ask you, why do you think uh, Mark Gergos, and this is the question we were going to ask Mark on the phone, and if we get him, we will ask him, why do you think that Mark Gergos decided to have Chris Brown admit to this probation violation instead of fighting it? Okay, so a lot of what attorneys do, and the good attorneys, is they strategize how to handle cases when you have more than one case. Remember Chris Brown had the case here in L.A. That's the assault against Rihanna. And then he's got this new case in Washington, D.C. So they're going to affect each other because he was on probation in L.A. So when he admitted the probation violation, that was on his L.A. case. Remember how he flew back on Conair to Washington, D.C., and he was supposed to go to trial there. His bodyguard had already been tried for the assault case, and he was convicted. Supposedly, there's this independent witness that the judge said, I totally believe, and he saw what happened. And so they they found um, that the bodyguard was convicted. Now, the bodyguard, the prosecution was planning on having him testify against Chris Brown, 
But at the last minute, the immunity deal that they were going to give him fell apart, which makes sense because he'd already be convicted. So he has no reason to want to testify at that point for the prosecution. So that case, the trial, fell apart. It, well, it hasn't fallen apart, but it got put on hold. And meanwhile, Mark Garrigo said, well, I'm going to get Chris back into L.A., admit the probation violation so he can finish this jail time, whatever the judge wants to do in L.A., and get that done with. So now he doesn't have these two cases pending. Mm -hmm. My guess would be, and this is pure speculation, but usually when you have cases like that, the attorneys want to figure out how to package them together. Now, because they're in two different states, they can't really package them together like you could if they were both in L.A. However, they want to work out, okay, this is what's happening in this case. Judge here, what do you want to do since he's already going to get this much time in L.A.? So what he might be thinking is, okay, he's going to go back to L.A. He's going to get a jail time sentence. Maybe that will be enough for the case in Washington, D.C., or maybe the Washington, D.C. case is falling apart, and he's assuming, okay, let's get the L.A. case out of the way. Let's get him out of custody. Let's get him back in his life and being a good guy so that the D.C. you know courts can see that, and maybe they'll be able to negotiate a plea in the D.C. case, or maybe it'll just fall apart if they don't have this, this uh, bodyguard witness that the prosecution was planning on. But is the D.C. case truly falling apart if he at least admitted to this probation violation? Because I understand it, it, it doesn't amount to a confession of him saying, I beat this guy, but it mm-hmm. admits to a confession that there's enough in that police report for him to have admitted that, yes, it is more likely than not that I violated probation. So, Rawa, how do you think that one admission will affect this case in D.C.? If it does move forward, don't you think that is at least some evidence? And even if the bodyguard doesn't testify, don't you think the, vo- the fact that the bodyguard uh, himself was convicted is at least some evidence that could help get him convicted? Um, I think that uh, admission of a probation violation is not necessarily, you know, going to have much of an effect on the D.C. case. I mean, Mark Aragos has been doing this a long time. Mm -hmm. He knows exactly what he's doing, and I'm pretty sure that he uh, took a gamble and that this gamble will pay off. It's it's, it's highly unlikely, in in my opinion. But, of course, you know, I'm not a criminal attorney and don't have much of a criminal background. I'm more (laughs) of a civil attorney. So at this point, it's difficult to say, and uh, we'll see how it turns out. And well, yeah, it, and let me clarify. When I say that it's falling apart, it's not falling apart that it's going to go away. I don't think it's going to go away. Yeah. I think something will happen. And remember, there's that independent witness that they can still use against Chris Brown that seemed to be so effective against the bodyguard. So by falling apart, I mean they weren't able to proceed when it was set for trial. I mean, they were in court ready to go, and, it, and the prosecution said, hey, we just lost this witness we were planning on. We need, we need time to regroup. Um, and so I could see some type of deal being worked out in that if the prosecution doesn't feel, you know, like they want to go um, back to trial. But I do think that there's, you know, something there, and with this independent witness that they can use against Chris, like they used against the bodyguard, I think they feel like they can get something out of the case. But the probation violation, it's a lower standard of proof, mm-hmm. so it doesn't equate to a confession, you know, up to beyond a reasonable doubt. And also, um, Mark was very clear in saying, Chris didn't admit anything. I, as his attorney, stood up and said, look, there's enough there. We're just going to admit a probation violation because they could force the DA here to put on the evidence, which would mean putting on the evidence from the D.C. case to prove to a judge there's a probation violation. And Mark said, no, we don't want to go through all that. <laughs> Let's just say that there's a lower, you know, because of the lower, it's a very low standard of proof. For a probation violation to to prove that. So we'll just go ahead and admit that and let's just deal with that and, and move on with the L.A. case. Yeah, Chris Brown doesn't need any more bad press than he's already gotten. Right. So having uh, a prosecutor here put on evidence of the probation violation is just even more bad pu- publicity for someone who is already so disliked. That's why I want to ask you both. 
Chris Brown, like I said, very well could get out of uh, could get out of jail very soon because of jail overcrowding, because of credit for time served. So let's say he gets out of jail next week. He's served time in jail. He's been in rehab. Uh, he likely has, uh, you know, certain uh, bipolar disorder. That was one that was mentioned, different disorders. How do you think the public will respond to him when he's back in the public eye? Um, <coughs> I have to say, Chris Brown has gotten it a lot worse than many celebrities I've seen who've done uh many of the things or equal to the things that, that he's done. Not to say that he hasn't deserved some of the criticism, but uh, for some reason, uh, I don't know if it's because he's young, I don't know if his race has anything to do with it necessarily, but uh, he has gotten a lot of blowback and uh, the public has not been very forgiving with him. And I think that that has been an issue for him. I mean, he... he um, he came onto the scene at a very young age, and just a few short years later, he uh, you know, was charged with the beating of his then-girlfriend, uh, pop star Rihanna. And uh, since then, I mean, it has just been one thing after another. And uh, I think Mark Garagos, his attorney, has done an amazing job of doing what he can with the facts um, and using this 24-hour news cycle and social media to his advantage. He's always speaking on behalf of, of Chris, you know, in, in, with, in terms of his 700 hours of community service, how that's made him a better man, um, how this process has made him uh, reflect, and uh, uh, he continues to speak on Chris's growth. It is my, It would be my hope that uh, the public would, would be a bit more forgiving, but uh, for many, it, it appears that he's been given many chances, and uh, it, it remains to be seen. Well, I think people are remembering those photographs of yeah. Rihanna. I mean, that was a very serious, serious case. And then he got put With on a pro- beloved star. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and the photographs were right there. I mean, it wasn't just hearing about it. You saw how violent that attack was. And then when he got on probation, which is, I will tell you right now, with those types of injuries, extremely rare to get probation out of that. He's given community service which the first time through they found was the proof was fraudulent. Mm-hmm. So he didn't even really do it. So he And then he continues to have these little scuffles or whatever you want to call it, bad behavior um, along the way that he just doesn't seem like he wants to follow the rules. Um, and then we've had those little flare-ups of the temper. And then, you know, he can't when he's in rehab, he, he flames out at his mother in rehab and, you know, and then ends up getting in trouble and thrown in jail. The one reason I would say that if he's going to have a turnaround, this is the chance, and I am sure that Mark is drilling this into his head, he has now gone to rehab, and he's now gone to jail. Yeah. Those are very serious consequences for anyone, and if there's any moment in time in his life where he can legitimately stand up and say, I am a changed man, now watch my actions go forward, I'm going to show you that, it's right now. Because he's really gone through it. so I, I wish you had given sake. Lindsay Lohan the same pep talk. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And that's the problem is some people don't do it. You yeah. know, but but if, if he wants the public to say, okay, I'm going to give you a second chance, it's after he's actually gone through what he's gone through, the rehab and the jail. Now you're going to get your second chance. If you blow it after this, you're going to become Lindsay Lohan, where no one ever you know, really gives you the credibility anymore. And uh, Lindsay Lohan is someone we will be talking about <laughs> later on in this show. Uh, now, talking about... A uh, second big case of Mark Garagos's is the lawsuit against Porsche. So Paul Walker and Roger Rodas, he was the man who was in the car with Paul Walker when he died, when they both died uh, in the fall. You know, the 
L.A. County Sheriff's Department found at the time that unsafe speeds was the cause of the crash and their deaths. They found that the car was driving up to 94 miles per hour. So I thought, you know, it's done. It's a case closed. It's a very, very, very tragic case. Very sad. Um, but that's it. They were speeding. You know, these are two people who love to race cars, who um, both, you know, Paul had done it in movies. Roger was a professional uh, car racer. They owned um, a, a team or a store regarding that had something to do with racing cars. And so it wasn't that surprising to me to have found that they were speeding at 94 miles per hour. But now Mark Garagos is representing the widow of Roger Odas, claiming the car was actually only driving 55 miles per hour and that the reason for the crash and the reason more specifically for why they both died was the lack of certain safety features in the car, that the car was defective. So he is filing a lawsuit against Porsche. And it's interesting to me how this will play out. Rob, I want to ask you, he is contesting what was found by the L.A. County sheriffs mm-hmm. as the cause of the crash. You know, Mark Garagos has said that he will have experts come on to testify that that wasn't true, that they weren't speeding, and that that report was actually biased. But uh, what do you think about that? Uh, I think that uh, whenever a death is involved uh, in some type of, like, a personal injury uh, matter, that the the family and and friends of the the ones who were lost uh, want to get answers and ne- not necessarily are always convinced by a, a greater administrative um, investigation and so I think that um, Roger Rodas's wife wanted to you know find out further okay wait what's going on here was this really the cause wanted to really get the answers and. Um, in the news reports that I've seen to date, uh, Mark Garagos has hired a ton of experts already to already make his case in, in order to see if there was one and and, and, and bring something forward. And um, and I think we'll just have to see how this is going to play out. But I don't think I don't think Mark would have brought this case had he not had his own um, his own group of experts that could uh, speak as to as to this issue. And now, Lonnie, I want to ask you about what you think Porsche will say in response. What Mark Garagos is claiming is that the vehicle lacked a proper crash cage and safety features in the gas tank that could have saved both of their lives. So how will Porsche respond to this claim? Well, this is interesting because when this crash first occurred, you heard in the media a lot of chatter about how this car was known to be dangerous and how, you know, there'd been other types of crashes like this. So and I don't know the stats, if there's a track history of this type of thing, of course Porsche is going to come out and say, no, the car is safe, but it's meant to be a high-powered race car. I mean, it's supposed to go hundreds of miles per hour. That's what it's made to do, and that you, you have to know how to you know drive a car like that, and that they have all the safety features that it needs to have, but still there's always that inherent risk of driving that quickly. Now, what's interesting, and I think what Mark Garagos is going to hang his hat on in trial, is this. He's already put together his own team of experts, which is what he's got to do before he even files this case, because if you don't know that you already have experts who are going to say the opposite of what the police investigation said, then you don't even file the case. You don't even go to trial. Um, but he has a lot of experts that he say are very credible. 
what he's going to point to is the police investigation when they did their investigation. And, and believe me, police officers that you know they don't have the types of resources that maybe a, a, um, a an attorney like Mark Garagos has. So they turn to whatever experts they can get. They used Porsche experts. They went to the actual company themselves, Porsche, and Porsche it was involved in the investigation. They gave their own input. That gives Mark the perfect position of saying. Well, of course they came up with that mm-hmm. conclusion because Porsche doesn't want any liability looking at them. They want to blame it all on the speed of the driver and make it the driver's fault. And so I think that, um, you know, a jury's going to look at that and say, well, that's inherently suspicious. And, you know, the police should have used someone else besides the maker of the car because they have a bias going right into it, that they're not going to want to find blame on themselves. They're going to want to be able to find a high speed by the driver. So, you know, that's, I think, what Mark's going to be arguing to the jury. And it may be very effective. And it may be enough to negotiate some type of high, you know, number disposition out of the case without it going to trial because you know Porsche is not going to want the publicity that would come from this trial because so many people love Paul Walker. Mm -hmm. They're going to be following this case. Well, it will also be a case that we will be following uh, as it proceeds. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to turn to um, Aaron Hernandez. Now, it's <coughs> interesting that Aaron Hernandez, um, you know, he was in the news. He's the NFL star who was um, charged with murder. And now all of a sudden the headlines say he's indicted for two more charges of murder. And I was like, well, wait a minute. I, I already thought it was, it was one charge of murder, but this is actually a separate case. So the first case we know about was when he went out with a group of his friends, the allegations go, and there was one person he got mad at who was a friend of his who was also a, um, a football player, not to the, you know, stature of Aaron Hernandez, and that they went into this um, car and that in a rental car that Aaron had um, rented, that they drove to this sort of empty warehouse area and that Aaron shot him and then they left him for dead. And Aaron was um, arrested on that. The investigation proceeded, and they ended up charging him with first-degree murder. And also um, his his girlfriend, fiancé, and sister for trying to help him hide what uh, went on as far as, you know, hiding the, the gun and lying about things during the investigation to the police. Now the police have gone back to a case that happened a couple of years before that where two men were killed in a, essentially a drive-by shooting outside a nightclub. And there had been talk and suspicion that Aaron Hernandez had been involved at that point. So um, the police have taken this case to the grand jury, and the grand jury has now issued an indictment. And essentially the prosecution case is that Aaron was in a nightclub with some friends of his, that they just happened to meet these two guys, and there was some type of um, interaction. But there's really no proof that they knew each other ahead of time, that these two men, the victims, got in their car and they left. They really had no idea that Aaron Hernandez got into a car and was following him, them, and the allegations go that at one point they stopped and Aaron Hernandez's car pulled up next to him, and the prosecution is alleging Aaron Hernandez pulled out a gun, fired into the car, ended up killing the two victims, hitting a third passenger, and then two more passengers ran out and escaped and were not hit. Um, so now he's got these two cases of murder charges, extremely serious cases. And I, first of all, Mari, I'd like to know, why do you think that they did not investigate this case back when it happened, the first case? Mind you, after this occurred, about two weeks later, Aaron Hernandez went ahead and signed a $40 million deal um, you know, with the football team. So why do you think at that time that the police didn't give it the time and attention that they're giving it now? 
not even that the police didn't give it the time and attention, but the passengers who were in the car who survived, uh, maybe they were too afraid to come forward at the time and say something. Yeah. But now that Aaron Hernandez is locked away in prison, they felt safe enough to come forward. That, that's a very good, very good point. Um, Rawal, what do you think about now that he's got both of these cases pending? How do you think that uh, he and his attorneys will proceed with all of this? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. This looks so bad. Yeah. This is so bad. So in addition to this this 2013 shooting of the friend, the semi-professional football player, mm-hmm. and, and now these these two murder charges. Uh, we also have uh, the press uh, well, The press is contended with these additional charges of a, a jailhouse fight that we uh, covered in the show a few weeks back. Um, in addition to that, uh, there are he's been charged with three counts of armed assault with intent to murder and assault um, assault and battery with a uh, with a deadly weapon based upon the other people that were in the car with mm-hmm. those two uh, I think their names are Daniel uh, Abro and uh, Safira Furtado. The, the two there, I think there were two or three other people in the car, and um, and there were assault charges brought against uh, Aaron based upon based upon um, him shooting at them as well. And so uh, I, I do not know how they are going to proceed with all this bad, bad press. It continues to go, uh, and the actual facts, of course, uh, it continues to get worse for him. I don't know how he's going to get an impartial jury. I don't know how I don't know how this is going to move uh, move forward. I, what I do know is that this looks really bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, he has said that they're going to do the trials separately. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Um, what happens with right. all of that? And, and hopefully, I mean, I don't know if there's any other investigations pending out there that, you know. He or any have, other people he's murdered. That's what I'm saying. Any other, I mean, the bodies are stacking. I mean, that, three dead bodies now attributed to Aaron Hernandez. That is shocking. And even Three the, dead bodies within a, a period right. of a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if he could yeah. kill three people in one year. Yeah. And, and, and the sister of one of the victims was asked about this. And she said... I'm shocked. I mean, it, it's actually frightening to think that here was this man who was in the media, in the spotlight, living this glamorous life, you know, and actually a role model for a lot of people. And to know that this is what was going on, you know, and that he was living with this in his psyche and still seemed to be able to perform. Well, because he thought he could get away with mm-hmm. it because he did get away with it yeah. for so long. Right. Yeah. So it's but now very, it's caught up. Very, very frightening. All right. Um, next case, Justin Bieber. The, all the media alerts went out yesterday. Justin Bieber accused of attempted robbery. <laughs> oh, that. my goodness. I literally got like a red flashing breaking news thing on <laughs> CNN.com. I know. It, it should say Bieber, bad behavior <coughs> yeah. once again. Um, but what we're hearing now is it may not be quite as serious as the headline, uh, you know, alleges it to be. Apparently, um, what the young woman who uh, is the, the alleged victim in this case is saying um, to certain outlets is that she was um, at a batting cage in Sherman Oaks on Monday night and at the same time that Justin Bieber was there with a group of his friends and some other people and that they kind of got into a, an altercation and so she along with some other people you know that were sitting there watching um, she pulled out her cell phone to take pictures or video and that Justin happened to see her and, and said I want to see your phone I'm going to delete whatever's on there and she said no and put it in her purse and that he reached and tried to grab the phone and so that's the of course, she didn't go to the police right then. She waited until Tuesday and went to the, made a report, and then the police were um, um, taking her statement Tuesday night. And at that point, that's you know all we know. We don't know if charges are actually going to be filed. Um, Rawa, do you think that <laughs> where there's smoke, there's fire? Do you think that this really rises to the level of an attempted robbery charge? Uh, do you think he's going to get the Bieber treatment? What do you think is going to happen? Uh, technically, it could rise to a, a robbery charge because... Technically, it, it could be attempted robbery, um, you know, based on the facts known to date. Uh, it seems like 
something pretty minor. Um, but of course, I wasn't there. None of us were. We don't know exactly what happened. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the employees, uh, allegedly, uh, alleged employees of the batting cage, uh, appeared on TMZ Live yesterday and uh, and made a statement that was quite to the contrary, saying something to the effect of, uh, well, Justin was actually just there hanging out and a whole bunch of people were taking pictures and the flash was really getting to him. And uh, his security asked the woman to stop taking photos. She ignored it. Um, she was kind of becoming really aggressive and uh, and that security camera footage may not catch it because they were so far away. Conveniently. Is this a planted story? Yeah. Is this some, something to, to kind of do damage control? But as it stands, Justin Bieber has gotten so much bad press lately that it is uh, it is pretty easy to believe that he did something like this, yeah. even though he had several bodyguards who could have uh, easily diffused the situation if it occurred as, uh, as stated. And... Um, yeah, uh, let the bodyguards uh, do the dirty work for you, yeah. though. What are they Why did Justin oh, Bieber himself go over and grab it? He's yeah. such a team uh, an, of enablers and entourage around him. Let those people take the fall. Let those people grab the phone. Don't do it yourself. Well, I mean, I think that's the level of maturity. You know, he always right. likes to jump in. He's a kid. He's still a kid. Um, now, even if the flashbulbs were going off in his face like that, Mari, do you think that he has any right to try and st- he or his bodyguards to stop the people from taking photographs of him? Here's the thing. Sometimes I do have sympathy for Justin Bieber because, like you said, he is a young kid. He tweeted out this week after this, you know, um, attempted robbery that something along the lines of just, you know, how difficult it was to, you know, always be in the public eye. Uh, and, it, you know, it must be difficult that everywhere you go, there's people taking photos, mm-hmm. people wanting you to fail, watching for you to make a mistake so that they can catch it. And in this 24-hour news cycle and with TMZ and everything, that mistake will, I mean, even even a fight within an elevator in a hotel, yeah. that has been leaked. So, um, you know, I feel bad for celebrities in the sense that they must always watch their move Every single second of the day, and they can never, ever make a mistake because if they do, people will pounce on it. And he's a young kid. He doesn't know how to handle himself in those situations. And while someone who may be more older and more mature, like a Beyonce, may just stand there (laughs) while something crazy is going on and just look like the epitome of calm, um, you know, he's a young kid and he made a mistake. I do wonder if people are um, really taking advantage of these types of situations and these uh, repeat offenders such as Justin Bieber, Chris Brown, and and looking for a, a quick payout. I think that's where sometimes my sympathy lies. I don't know if that's going to happen in this case or or, or not, but um, I, I do think, I do wonder. I do think that very well could be the case, but it only is after the behavior. There's a pattern there <laughs> where you know that, that they set themselves up for then the people that might want to just set them up and cash in. Absolutely. Well, here we are again, another week talking about Donald Sterling. Uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, the Clippers owner has been rejected by several prestigious Los Angeles and San Francisco law firms, um, at least eight, in his quest to sue the NBA as they are attempting to uh, take his ownership uh, away from him. Uh, and uh, we are being told by several news outlets that it's because they think he is toxic and would uh, upset their existing clients, particularly um, clients that have 
you know, both African-American clients and corporate clients that are extremely sensitive to this uh, this present controversy. I think just yesterday, uh, outlets were reporting that he finally did uh, obtain representation in, uh, in in getting Maxwell Bletcher, who's a well-known antitrust attorney, uh, to represent him. And allegedly, uh, this attorney sent out a letter to the NBA saying, you know what, I'm not paying this $2.5 million uh, fine that has been uh, levied upon me by the NBA, and I will fight you to the death. Lonnie, what do you think about how uh, Donald Sterling is going to push this fight forward? We already hear he's litigious. I, I, how, do you, how do you see this going? Well, this is what I've been anticipating the whole time. <laughs> and what's so funny to me is that everybody kept telling me from the sports world, oh, no, no, the NBA Constitution will rule everything because once you sign into it as an owner, it's like a country club. You don't get in unless you agree to these rules, and once you're in, you have to abide by these rules. I get that. And I even started to say, okay, I guess you're right because this Constitution is like this mysterious document. Nobody ever really gets to see it, and we're being told piecemeal what is actually in that document. One thing, which is supposedly a clause that says this is totally binding, it acts like an arbitration decision, and no court, outside court, can step on this. So essentially a judge won't come in and, and, and try and, and change it. However, I keep saying <laughs> that there's laws out here, and especially the antitrust laws, that if Donald, and we knew he would, he went and got an antitrust lawyer, which I think is very important, who's going to say, you can't step on my constitutional rights, even if you think we're signing it away. You really can't do that. And I have the right to um, pursue my livelihood the way I want to. And what I did does not amount to a crime. It doesn't amount to anything that should be... Um, warrant the fact that you can now step in and take away my livelihood, something I've worked for for all of these years, no matter how much you may not like my behavior. And the other thing, too, is I thought it was very interesting the way he went after um, Magic Johnson Mm -hmm. in his interview. And I was talking to someone about this last night, and we were saying, how stupid is that? Because Magic Johnson is so beloved, and and, and what he was saying was so um, incorrect factually. But the take that this person had on it was, well, he's kind of sending a message to all the other owners. Look, I've got information on all of you, and I'm going to bring it out if you guys vote against me. And what I keep saying is, where's that owner's vote? Everybody was so glad when Adam Silver stood up and said, okay, this is it. We're done. Fine. And we're going to vote him out, and all the owners are going to step up and vote him out. It has been weeks. Mm-hmm. And the owners are still like, dragging their feet. They have not made that vote, which they could have done. And maybe there's problems there. Maybe there's concern. Maybe no, you know, there's certain people who don't want to step up and vote against Donald Sterling because they're saying it's a slippery slope. And Mark Cuban said that right at the beginning, although he seemed to get in line quickly after that. So I think it's going to be a long legal fight. I think he's going to fight the fine. I think he's going to fight, um, you know, losing the ownership. And, you know, they want to talk about, well, the players can then strike. Okay, the players can then strike. But it doesn't mean that Donald Sterling, who has billions of dollars, isn't going to fight this for years in the court because having this team is what keeps him relevant. It's what he wants to, you know, do. This is where he wants to be out in the public and be able to feel his power. So he is not going to give this up without a major fight. And what you're saying is very in line with what Carl Douglas said to us last week. He said that Donald Sterling will fight this tooth and nail not only to stay relevant, but more importantly, to drive up the price of the team Mm -hmm. so that when he does sell or if he does sell or if he is forced to sell, he will sell at a high price to a David Geffen or Oprah or someone like that rather than the low price right now because people think, oh, it's a fire sale. I can, you know, I can 
cheaply, you know, try to acquire mm-hmm. the Clippers because, you know, it's to- it's a toxic situation right now. Uh, so it's very in line with what he said. Talking about Magic Johnson and the comments that were made, this is what I think about Donald Sterling. And I was talking to some friends about this this week. I think that there is no doubt that he is a racist and that he has always mm-hmm. been a racist. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that he does have dementia and that his old age and his dementia, whatever it is, has made it so that he no longer has a filter. Whereas in the past, he may have at least had a filter. I think he truly, deeply, down to his heart, believes those terrible things that he has been saying. But I think that... uh, Normally, or in years past, he may have had more of a filter because it was, I you know, when I watched that that interview with Anderson Cooper, I was thinking, why is he even bringing up Magic Johnson mm-hmm. right now? Why is he saying those things? And so, I honestly think that he is lacking a filter that he once had. But well, I mean, it doesn't justify what he said, yeah. but it it somewhat explains his actions in my mind. But there was an interesting moment there where he started to talk about magic, then he stopped. And he thought about it, and then he said, "I may get in trouble for this," but he went ahead. Yeah. So I, I, I think Word he realizes. It. Yeah, I mean, I think he realizes. <laughs> he just doesn't care. Yeah, I, I don't. But but I agree. I, I think that he he's it's so much the core of him. He does not understand yeah. how offensive it is to everybody else, and he is probably surprised. Hey, what? You're you're mad at me? But you know, because he has all <coughs> along, all along, and he's always been able to pay his way out of it. In the past, he's always been able to fight it and pay his way out of it and never have to admit these things about himself and his character. And I also think that Shelley Sterling doing her interviews this week um, and, you know, talking about how, <coughs> excuse me, she uh, plans to file for divorce but, you know, is waiting for the right time to do it. I think that is also a tactic, as uh, Carl Douglas said, to try to drive up the price of the Clippers. And I also think that they're two very much... <coughs> I think they're working together. I really do. He's I think pod, that they yeah. are, um, you know, partners through all of this. And you're absolutely right on the price because when this first happened, everybody was saying, well, the, you know, it's $575 million. And then all of a sudden, like a week later after this controversy, they're saying he's going to sell it for a billion dollars or more. I mean, it already, you know, doubled in price. So it'll keep going up, I guess. Absolutely. Um, oh, Okay. Lindsay Lowen. (laughs) The girl we always talk about. Yes, little Lindsay Lowen. So um, (laughs) I don't know how many of you watched the Oprah Winfrey um, um, series on her, but at the very end. Not many people. I sort of did. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. I love OWN. (laughs) I do too. But um, at the very end, she did have this bombshell, and she wanted to explain some of her bad behavior away, and she said that she had experienced a miscarriage, and that was part of the reason why she had not been able to show up at some of the things. And now, and everybody was like, okay, is it true? If it's true, of course we have sympathy and we feel bad, but you know, it seems to be pretty manipulative that this is where you announce it, you know. Um, now, though, she has actually declared this under penalty of perjury in sworn documents in a lawsuit um, that she is involved in. It's a $5 million lawsuit over her clothing line, 6126, um, where she was saying that she um, had gotten a reprieve from the lawsuit. And she was saying she'd been in rehab. But then after she got out of rehab, she still didn't respond to the lawsuit. So judgment was entered against her. Now she's decided, 
too late, essentially, to fight that. And she's saying, well, it wasn't just because I was in rehab. It was also because I'd gone through this miscarriage and I had all these other issues going on. Um, and that's what I was trying to deal with. And, she, and obviously this um, this affidavit was filed under penalty of perjury. So, Mari, do you think that this, the fact that it was done now in a court document makes it any more legitimate? And, you know, it, is there any way she can prove this? You would think that she could be able to prove it uh, with medical records yeah. if she had gone to the doctor either, you know, when she first got pregnant or when this miscarriage allegedly did occur. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if she then claims, oh, it was a miscarriage, but, you know, I hadn't, it was so early. I hadn't gotten to the doctor yet. And, you know, it's just one excuse after the other with Lindsay Lohan. And I just stopped, stopped listening a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I'd be really concerned if it, if it was not true, um, especially because I would hope that her um, attorneys, knowing her history, would um, further investigate any declarations that she had filed with the court uh, to ensure that she didn't perjure herself or get them in any trouble as well. So. Well, I mean, you know, you would think, and usually they would attach, you know, proof of what is in a declaration. Mm-hmm. If there were doctors, or even if she went to a psychologist or psychiatrist afterwards, you know, if, you know, talking about this issue. But apparently, and Oprah doesn't count as a psychologist. Right. Or Exactly, exactly. So it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, and once again, now they could go after her for this if if it ends up being, you know, perjury. She she could have another little charge going on. These people like Lindsay Lohan, like Chris Brown, like Justin Bieber, just constantly, like, have these legal suits one after the other after the other. They keep their attorneys in business. Mm -hmm. I mean... Lindsay Lohan. Hopefully we'll have Sean Chapman Holly on, yes. her attorney, to discuss <laughs> Lindsay great. Lohan. I would love to hear her opinions on Is she still her, her attorney? Because I know for a while there she she went attorney uh, searching. Yeah. I know. <laughs> what, what day of the week is it? Right. I mean, right. she should stick with Sean Chapman Holly because she is Fantastic. so good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think our last story today uh, revolves around View co-host Sherry Shepard. Um, and this is this is a pretty sad one, actually. Uh, it was pretty sad to me, at least. Uh, her husband, who she, <coughs> TV writer uh, Lamar Sally, who I think is affectionately referred to as Sal in the media, but, and, and personally, and uh, by, by Sherry on her show, uh, they were just got married in 2011 and it was a pretty big wedding and some of our view co-hosts were were a part of the wedding and it was wedding party and it was a um it was a kind of a big tv tv moment and um and they he filed for a divorce just very recently broke the news uh not only is he um requesting that uh well the only reason he um filed legal separation instead of divorce is because uh, he filed in California. In California, you have to be a resident. Uh, and why months. did he file in California? <laughs> <laughs> Community property, which takes us to our next point. Um, uh, he, he wants to have the prenuptial agreement invalidated. Apparently, the prenuptial agreement stated something to the effect of which, if their marriage lasted between two and five years, that uh, Sal would get about $60,000. But if that prenup is invalidated <laughs> and he does become a legal resident in California, then he gets half of everything half from of everything. for the years that they were married, which is a <laughs> lot more than yes. what was in the prenup. So I find it very interesting that he decided, all of a sudden, I'm just going to move to sunny California <laughs> right. for the weather, for, for the yeah. celebrities. Right, and and, um, he's, for he's the money. <laughs> exactly. He's alleging fraud. Uh, not only that, he wants uh, full custody of he and Sherry's unborn child. Uh, they, uh, I think they announced or um, it, it was reported that they uh, were expecting a child via surrogate in July. And, um, and, and that, of course, took a lot of people by surprise. Um, it, it, that, that move uh, appeared to be 
like a warning shot. Like this is this is going to get ugly. What do you think? What do you think? Well, about remember that, too, honey? whoever has the child gets child support, mm-hmm. and it's based on the income you know of the parents. So it's going to be a hefty sum for that child support. And as cynical as this sounds, I think some parents do that. They say they'll take on the custody because they want that child support. Now I don't know. I think there's also you know these allegations that perhaps she's such a workaholic, she's not there, and you know they already have. She already has a child, and maybe Sal feels like he's the one that's taking care of that child so he should be the one taking care of the next child um, and that he's the better caretaker too so that you know it may not be all you know a, a cynical reason but I think that that is definitely something that goes to the heart of what Sherry has always said and that is that she wanted to have this next child you know that she this is something that's very important to her and it's interesting in her response she just talked about the prenup and said I want the prenup enforced and she didn't say anything about the custody of the child and apparently I've read some of the allegations are that in the prenup, it does talk about in the event that there's a child that she would get full custody. So maybe she just figures if I just stick to the prenup, make sure that's enforced, Mm -hmm. that's all going to be taken care of. Well, I also think it was unfortunate that he used the filing of divorce papers to announce that this child is coming into the world. I think that she likely was going to wait until after the child was born Mm -hmm. or shortly before uh, and have it be like a joyous announcement of, oh, you know, I I have a surrogate. She's given birth to my child. And it would be a celebration. And now it's announced amidst a divorce battle. I think that's very sad. Uh, And I just want to ask you both what you think the likelihood is of him being able to um, invalidate the prenup. He's claiming on the basis of fraud. Uh, well, uh, we don't we don't really know what that basis is. I mean, we don't really have any of the facts uh, behind that. So uh, I think it's pretty difficult to say at this point. I think when we saw that, it was like, whoa, fraud, fraud based on what? Yeah. Uh, maybe she's the one who has has uh, some fraud issues because apparently uh, when she when she married him and, and she discussed this. Uh, many times on The View, she married Sal, who she believed to be a TV writer. He still is. I mean, he has some credits, uh, but he isn't working and hasn't worked for some time, allegedly. And I think that, um, you know, behind the scenes, news reports have been, news outlets have been reporting that uh, she's kind of surprised by the direction his career has gone. And and it's not necessarily what she thought it was, which I find a little bit doubtful, given that, um, I mean, very easy to Google people, and he's also in her same industry, so she could have figured out what his career was. But the the, the fraud allegation, um, I, I think it, she, he's probably just using it as a legal tactic. Well, I think it's going to come mm-hmm. down to the prenup and how well it was written, and and you know, I mean, that's why you pay a lot of money to the attorneys who write those prenups and make sure that every. Um, thing is put in there to show that both sides knew exactly what they were getting when they signed that document and that they were okay with it, they were properly advised, and that they were of sound mind, etc. And as long as, is you know, it's a solid document and none of the um, little stipulations have been violated, then they, the courts really like to follow mm-hmm. those and honor those contracts. So... Well, it will definitely be a story that we will be watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, please tweet us and let us know your thoughts about any of these stories. Chris Brown, Lindsay Lohan, mm-hmm. Donald Sterling, Justin Bieber, take your pick. <laughs> I'm sure you will have lots of opinions as we do on these topics. Uh, you can tweet me at Mari Fagel. Uh, at Rawa. 
At Lonnie Coombs. Bravo, you keep it so simple. It's like Madonna. I, know. I just wanted to be at Mari. <laughs> One name only. Uh, and this is actually my last show for a while. I will be headed to the LA District Attorney's Office next week. I'm very much looking forward to it. So thank you so much to our viewers and listeners for uh, letting me take you on this journey on Justice is Served this last year. It has been wonderful. Thank you to my two wonderful co-hosts. And um, hopefully I will be back in the future. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for watching and have a good weekend. Phil, hello. Oh. Oh. Oh, good. I was like, I saw hands, but I didn't I know, know what was going I on. I don't know. I was like, thumbs we up could or still no? be going, but I'd rather stop. I, I thought them. I saw a hand, but I wasn't sure. Then to awkwardly oh, keep going. Funny.
そうだね
See, this is a back, you know, I, I, can, I keep bringing this up because like I'm harping on it, but it's but it's just it's just come up three times this week. Back to the collaboration thing, like this is that's a perfect example of like before, like I'm the one who'd been shoving this content cricket's love thing sort of down his throat and saying this is what we're gonna do, and he was reluctant to do it because I was shoving it down his throat and it wasn't a collaboration thing. I didn't realize that. I was I thought taking a person like you don't think it's a good idea. It's like, no, you're just not even let me, you know, it's just whatever, your thing. So I guess we're doing it. Anyway, now to the point that he's on board, it's like there's been no, hey, what is this going to be? Like we don't have anything else. It's just been like this is what me and Akili did. We want to do a show. That com- what do you think? Me. I get it. That confuses me further, like what in mean? terms of strategy. Like you guys are using this as a selling tool. No, we don't even know what. No, no. We we know we know what the bones are. We know, okay. we know how to do a docuseries. Okay. Tone. Fonts, but that's what I'm saying. Music, the tone. Don't you think the the tone that you sell with should be like if they if they're no, buying we, into the selling. Tool. You guys good to go? Yeah, we're good to go. You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is Black Hollywood Live, Geek Nerd Tech, featuring a weekly roundup of tech news and gossip. Black Hollywood Live, Hollywood redefined. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, Geek Nerd Tech. Uh. Welcome to Geek Nerd Tech. We're back for week 25. Hey, man. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know what week it is. What week is it? I'm going to say... I'm going to say week 23, 4. Anyway, it's back. It's good to be back. Yes, sir. Um, talking geek news. Uh, you know, we're shape breaking down nerd culture, tech news from a black geek perspective. Um, uh, lots to talk about this week, as always. Um, there's one, there's been one major piece of news, which we want to mention. Um, which we'll, we'll get into more next week as it, as it, as it breaks down. But the whole net neutrality thing has been settled and, 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 and I really want to get into you know, we'll, we'll look at it a little bit this week, and then we'll get into it next week in For terms sure. of what this what what the fallout is. We touched on it before, but right. um, it's just something I, I really want to get into because I think it's going to affect all of us in a lot of different ways. But Absolutely. Uh, but for now, let, let's 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 go to let's let's talk about AT and T, um, which is also kind of in the same little bit of the same thing. Uh, you know, AT and T is really they're making a bid to buy Directv for fifty bill. Man, that's ridiculous. You know, <laughs> they want to buy 50, ATT for fifty bill. It's it's, a, it's an interesting thing for a few reasons, but mainly because it really speaks to, um, you know, AT and T's need to be uh, the master of all. Right? They want yeah. to be. They want to own the wireless space, the 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 fiber optic space, the you satellite know, the satellite space. Yeah. So any way you're communicating with anyone. You know, we want to be involved in it and be the leaders in it, much like Amazon is saying, like, we want to be 
if you want anything delivered to you, products, content, you know, yeah. uh, whatever it is, Amazon's your person. We will do, and we will own the shipping, you know, the, of it too. Yeah. AT&T saying that as well. Whatever you want to deliver, we own the pipes. Absolutely. So what do you, what do you think I mean, of this? I think it's exactly that. Like, I think we're in a, we're in a, a landscape where, you know, it's oversaturated. Like, you can get pretty much anything from anybody. And so I think uh, AT&T strategy is to figure out a way to offer more to its customers right. versus trying to, you know, steal customers away from other competitors. Let's, let's focus on who we have and how can we get more money out of their pockets. And so right. this is a good way for them to pretty much own all those spaces that you were talking about. I mean, think about it. You have, you know, voice, text, data. You have TV. You have gaming. You have uh, even home services. And AT&T wants to be on the forefront to be able to essentially, you know, kill all those markets. Right. And so I think I think this merge um, will put them in the position to do so. I mean, what about you? Do you think do you think this is a like do you think they they are competing against the Yahoo's, the Googles of the world by doing this? Like I mean cuz essentially that's what, you know, every, this is going to be a lot of merging of yeah. a, a lot of big companies. So. I mean, th- this is kind of where I feel like, you know, where things are, are going and this is where they always go, you know, you keep Companies start merging. We saw this back in the old school telecommunica- telecommunication days with Pac Bell merging with the, you know, you know, AT and T, you know, gobbled up a bunch of companies in the telecommunication space back when we we're still talking on landlines. Now they are moving on and owning the wireless space and and and, and, the, and the cyberspace as well. I think that this is absolutely, um, it, you know, it's all about it's either about the the content what you're what you're getting. Or, or how you're getting it, you right. know what I mean? And in this, and like I said, in Amazon is 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 handling that from a trucks on the ground and planes and almost in that shipping space as well as the content. And AT and T is handling that in an information space. Yeah. I feel I feel like, you know, look, if you own the pipes, you own, you know, that's just as good as owning the information. Absolutely, you know. And if the pipes exist via satellite, or they exist via Wi Fi, or you know, or, or, or um, cell phone yeah. data, or um, or fiber optic cables, you own the pipes. The next step would be for them to get to the content. Business, which they're really not doing, they may do, but I mean, I don't know. It's 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 pretty scary. I am an AT and T customer on UVerse. Gotcha. I'm a huge fan of UVerse. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of AT and T's wireless service. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm Verizon. So okay. So yeah. you know, it's, it's it's one of these things, and I don't I don't know. And, I, and then if if uh, and also this is interesting because AT and T does have UVerse, which is which is great. And I do love the, the Directv product. And I do love the UVerse product. So if they buy Directv, what does that mean? Right. You know. So that that, that that's I don't know. I think this but, is very similar to like the Time Warner, um, Comcast, you know, merge. Like I think this is a huge merge and. I hope I hope that you know the the regulators don't block it. Like, yeah. I hope this goes through. I think this is a good move for for both companies actually. And, and the last thing I want to mention that is you know a great part of this move is the fact that AT and T. I mean, uh, Directv doesn't have internet. Right. Uh, it offer. So when you have so if I, you might UVerse, the main reason I have UVerse is because of the internet. You know, right. like I, I love I love the I love the product itself. I love the interface. I love the DVR, but I also have this great fat internet. You yeah. know, uh, and Directv. I have to do when I had Directv. I had to do. A separate either Time Warner or Uver. Now you could theoretically anyway. get the bundle. Theoretically, yeah. if they can figure out how to get internet over the satellite, which is a whole separate thing. Right. <laughs> but you know, anyway. So let's let's move on. Now we'll we'll, we'll keep our eye on that. Um, another thing we're keeping an eye on, which is just something that keeps coming up, is Yahoo and and uh, CEO Marissa Meyer, um, who's always under some sort of fire. Man, Marissa Meyer, like she's always under 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 fire, but. Uh, Yahoo! Wow, that, that picture is ridiculous. <laughs> that picture is great. I love it. Uh, 
Uh, for those of you who are listening, it's a picture of a, of a Yahoo knife with a, over a bloody flicker. But uh, the, the, the the topic we want to talk about here is that Yahoo um, – there's an article that's in Wired who talks about like everything Yahoo buys, it kills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've, they've, they've acquired a lot, a lot of companies. In fact, they've, you know, I think they've – They've acquired like uh, forty startups in the last few years and killed thirty of them. That's huge, you know. So three fourths, yes, and that, <laughs> that, that, that's a huge difference from what say Facebook does, which is when they when, when Facebook's models when they acquire uh, an Instagram or what app, their strategy is to acquire an Instagram, let Instagram grow, and then and then funnel those users back into Facebook, and then let Facebook grow as a result of what they purchase, right. which seems like a great strategy. Yahoo is like I'm gonna buy it and kill it, yeah. So it can't. F with us. Well, uh, I, I think I think it's more of an ab- absorption tactic. Like we're going to buy it, we're going to kill it, and then rebrand it. And I think that's Yahoo's strategy. Like where a lot of companies are trying to unbundle, they're trying to create a one platform that offers multiple services, right. which I think is old fashioned. Which I think is you know the the old the old way. Like Yahoo, you're saying the Yahoo yep. way feels old fashioned. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because most companies are trying to unbundle, like right. with, like Facebook, they're buying a bunch of stuff and they're going to let that be what it is. Yeah, and let that success, you know. Kind of like give more, more, more shine to the whole Facebook, Facebook success. Right. And frankly, as a brand, and sometimes, and sometimes it's okay, you know, for as a brand that people don't know. Most people don't know that Facebook owns Instagram. That, 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 that's, that's, sometimes that's a really good branding thing. Some people don't like Facebook. I, you know, people all the time like, I hate Facebook, but I love Instagram. It's right, like, right. okay, well, same guess, thing. Guess what? Who <laughs> <laughs> take a secret? You know, but, uh, so sometimes that's okay. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I think Yahoo just bad leadership. Bad products, bad strategy. I mean, I think they're trying to model themselves too much after Google, and I just don't see it. Like, well, like Mr. Myers from Google, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what has Yahoo ever offered? Like, the only thing the only thing I use Yahoo for is I set I set up a, a Yahoo email for spam. If I want to sign up for stuff, I use the Yahoo. Wow. Email. <laughs> I, I, I think all my spam still goes to my old Yahoo email. The only thing I use Yahoo for is movie Yahoo movies. Every really? now. Oh no! Every now and then, I like just because as a, as a as a fifth or sixth source of, <laughs> for like trailers you said a and fifth or sixth. Well, I, you know, you go through all your normal sources. You want to look at new trailers. You want to look at you know some movie news, whatever. And then I'll just click on Yahoo Movies and see what they got going on. Uh, and that's about it. Yeah, that's that's that's. So I don't know. So I, uh, Marissa's got a lot of work to do, and they've got a lot of man. They got a lot of power and money and space and things i just really feel like that i really hope that they can get it together i mean just speaking to this picture too like this is a perfect example of you know Flickr back in the day was the photo destination yeah and now it's like it's like whatever you know what i'm saying like it's whatever and it's like yahoo killed it exactly right well, well the, the absorption ta- the absorption tactic you're talking about the idea of taking uh flicker and then absorb it into yahoo photo or whatever it is you know and then but the thing is no one cares about yahoo photo not at all people cared about Flickr. so Absolutely. it's like as if if, if if facebook absorbed instagram and and it was like facebook a gram everyone would hate it you know it's <laughs> like so it's just it's, it's a really you really gotta take those things into account sometimes but yeah interesting we'll see um we'll see uh how that plays out but uh i you know i agree with you i think that she's got the wrong idea. Um, let's uh, here's another interesting story. Speaking of Google, what we were talking about is that you know in, in Europe, um, there's there's been a new law to try to get order Google to forget. And this is a very interesting topic because mm-hmm. we talk about all the time. We live in the day and age where everything you do online is. Uh, lives forever. Yeah. So don't be at the fraternity party, <laughs> you know, with your shirt off, wiling out, Man. and then try to get a job. Don't, you know, uh, 
be uh, you know Anthony Weiner and take photos of yourself. <laughs> it's going to come up. But what they're saying in this new this new law they're trying to they're, they're passing actually and trying to get through is saying that like look some things may be damaging to some people and it's okay you can call Google and tell Google you know what you might want to take that down because mm-hmm. that's been hurtful to me and there's been a few examples of that it comes from this lawsuit uh, initially from the suit from this guy who when you Google his name and he's a prominent dean you know, a prominent dean when you Google his name it searched back to a newspaper article that had uh, information on a uh, some credit problems he was having. He had to sell his house. He had all kinds of bad stuff happen to him. And that was just something that was listed, but it's one of the first things that comes up. Yeah. And I would hate it if you Google Joe Braswell and it'd be, and it'd be like, you know, foreclosed mortgage, yeah. you know, repossessed car. And I was like, damn, I was 18 when that happened. Like, it's damaging. Th- those are the things. Yeah. And then, and so it's damaging to him. So, what, I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, this is definitely a, a privacy rights issue. Versus an access to information is like okay freedom of, freedom of speech freedom of press like but Google really isn't a, a press destination it's a, it's a data destination so it's like I mean I, I feel I feel this is a way to start a new industry for companies to come up and be like well hey we offer a service to clean up you know all the trash that's been on, yes. on the internet for you so you know pay us a certain amount and you know we'll we'll expunge that or whatever yeah. from the internet and so I mean I think I think. For I'm the, looking for one of those, by the way. The average <laughs> Joe guys, no pun intended, Sorry. versus like the celebrity or the the public figure. I feel like the public figure information. I think the people should have access to that versus just like the the random dude from the street. Right. Like I get it. Like you don't want something. You don't want something that that was a mistake or something that was inaccurate that happened a decade ago to haunt you and prevent you from being successful in a certain area. Right. I mean, it, but the, but the question becomes: Okay, where do you draw the line? I mean, what if it's legal stuff? What if you're uh, you know have what if you're you know had some pedophile pedophile conviction, which we or can search drunk, that drunk driving or something or like, something, yeah. and, you, and you're and you want to? I mean, people want to do a background search on you, and they can't. Um, it's a tricky thing. Like, what 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 are you allowed to expunge? Right. You know, you, you, what are you allowed to erase uh, from from the record? And what people, what should people, individuals, and corporations be allowed to know about you? And this makes me question. Like, what what do we do before the internet? Exactly. Like, you know, I'm sure there was still a record. You just have to yeah. do. You know. You have to be more diligent to to dig it sure. up versus now you can get it in seconds. Well, they, they, so, they, there were whole businesses that did background checks yeah. and find all those things and go through microfiches and go through all that old stuff that we used to have to do right, right. to get information. Which you know now it's like you, you know it's it's you Google. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think it's definitely a fine line, slippery slope. Like like you said, what. What is determined to be damaging? It could be anything. Like a right. person can just say, "Well, you know, I don't like this. Like, take it down. Like, who's yeah. gonna who's gonna monitor that? Who's gonna manage that? Who's gonna police that?" Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out as well. Uh, so we always talk about wearables. We always talk about wearable techs. We're talking talking a lot, a lot about it. The death of wearables. Are wearables dead? Are they coming back? Blah 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 blah. Uh, there was another interesting article again in Wired. Wired was kind of doing it this this week about sort of like how to fix how to fix the wearable problem. They they they, they posit that we you know wearables are kind of here to stay. It's an eight billion dollar industry as it is right this very second. It's projected to be a fifty billion dollar industry. Like in don't five years. What they're saying yeah. is in five years exactly. Yeah. What they're saying is don't sleep on wearables. Like uh. you know uh, the 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 demise of wearables have been greatly exaggerated but what they're saying is is like we've really got to you know the industry's got to do a better job in letting the consumers know that it's 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 for everybody absolutely because the feeling is that these things are you know the designs are goofy sometimes so they don't feel like you want to wear them secondly they feel like they're so micro niched out that right. like well i'm not a i'm not a long distance runner what do i need a wearable for but right. 
It's uh, in Google Glass. I'm not a whatever tech nerd in Silicon Valley. I don't want to walk around with a headset on like Robocop. Of course. Uh, so those are all problems that people feel like they can they can fix and then and then really have an explosion of 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 wearables taking over. I mean, what do you think? Do you think this is possible? Absolutely. I mean, I don't see you know there being a demise of wearables. I just think that. It has to be a like we talked about, you know, previous weeks. It has to be a unique way to number one market it, and that's kind of what this what this discussion is like. How, what's the the language? How are you communicating the wearables? Like you want to make it feel more communal. You want right. to make it feel more um, interpersonal versus you know it being a product. Like hey, this is what it's made out of. No, like, what is it doing for you? What is the lifestyle right. behind the product? But I, I think, I mean, I agree. I think you know. Come holiday season this year, I think it's going to be a huge explosion with wearables as the technology improves and we see it. To, we see it being able to do you know better things. Like I think, yeah, people are going to gravitate it for sure. Like it's going to be something that's a part of our life. Just like before, there was a smartphone. You had your laptop. Now you have a smartphone. So now right. you're going to have wearables. I just see the progression, the evolution. Yeah, so. absolutely. I I agree. I you know I I think that uh you know it's just really as as with everything it's an education issue. Uh, I just I'm still it's one of these things where I'm still on the fence of how much we need stuff versus. I mean I know it's a five it's a it's an eight billion dollar industry projected to be a five fifty billion dollar industry in five years. Uh, as long as this are the, we're creating these things to be able to enhance our lives and help us and everything else and great. I don't know. I, I don't need more gimmicks, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's gimmicky now. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think it'll be. I think it's going to improve. Like, like I mean, think about smartphone technology. It's the whole app, like yeah, app sure. usage of apps. Like sure. everything is improving. And then we talked about this on the you know last week when we talked about the the Apple Apple Watch and the iWatch mm-hmm. and. Um, you know the, the the idea to use it as a companion piece to what mm-hmm. you what you already have. So the Absolutely. idea that you can really utilize it with your with your iPad and your iPhone and be able to you know you, you get that information back and forth, download an app on your on your iPhone that then goes to your you know who knows what the app creation will be for these wearables you know right. um, and how and how they'll be used. So that's kind of cool. Um, but so but speaking, I, of, I feel like wearables are one of those things that once people decide to make them more. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Like, useful? Right. Because right now, people are just trying, like, oh, let's put a computer on your wrist. Right. Oh, let's do this. Let's do this. When they're Where they're not thinking about just the ability of uses. Like, you need, like, p- parents are buying their kids cell phones right now so they feel safe when they're, like, seven years old. Right. We need, like, a wearable where you just put this thing on the kid's wrist, and if the kid kid sets it off, it sets off a really li- how, like, loud pitched noise so people in the whole area are aware right or something that can call their parent or just like alert the authorities right there or, or if so you're putting a low check on your kids <laughs> maybe well they're basically putting cell phones in their kids for the same reason right, and they're not sure. doing the same job that they would be if it was something like a car alarm in a way or or, or more importantly if, if your kid is sick if your kid has a like a, a disease or something like that and you, you need to get sick he needs insulin exactly oh. if he's having a seizure like he can know those things and that, that's the point that I'm making too Stephen I, I totally agree with your point the point that I'm making is that like I do want to see it get out of the gimmick phase and into the more functional phase, and I think that that's going to be the thing. We talk about monitoring your health and monitoring like you know we talked about some of these things that are that are coming. So uh, you know uh, you know maybe wearables are maybe around to stay. We'll see. Uh, I agree. One thing that wearables are being used for now, though, however, hmm. uh, is shocker: the military. <laughs> <laughs> the military is all over it. Uh, uh, you know we you know. Um, and this this is a lot of people are saying this is what the future of sol- of, of soldier of um, of wearables are. Um, we're talking about you know uh, uh, 
basically DARPA and other military agencies already using a lot of this wearable tech yeah. for, 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 for combat. Yeah. And we're talking about like, like in the picture, like, you know, vi- Robocop style visors and stuff that we see from the Terminator. Mm-hmm. That stuff's all like here, here now. Absolutely. But not only that, we're talking about chest plates that enhance, we're talking about sort of things that enhance your ability to run, yeah. exosuits, um, all kinds of different things that, that that seem really cool. Remind you of uh, that new Tom Cruise movie coming yeah. out, uh, whatever I forget what it's called, but whatever that or any other things we've seen, Elysium. Yep. Uh, that stuff, that stuff here yeah. already, and um, it'll be interesting to see how uh, how this affects you know you know our, our our modern combat. But more importantly, it just it also it just reminds me of there's always whatever technology comes up. There's always a way to militarize it and be able to use that and sort of dump that into the industri- industrial military complex, not to get all I'm, to be honest. I think here. I think most technology starts with the military and and, and, and siphons off to to us, you know, you know, in a, in a different form. But I mean, I think this is a perfect example of machine and man merging. Right. Um, and I mean, I I think, I mean, from from an ethical perspective, I think it's. I have a problem with it because you know what I'm saying like it's it promotes uh it promotes this country being in a perpetual war because hey yeah. it, once we're at war we can you know we can advocate money to develop these type of things. Don't you want to be safe? Exactly. <laughs> and you know promote promote fear and all that yeah. stuff. And so I mean I, I feel like we should be using technology to you know bring about peace and harmony versus you know yeah. weaponizing things that will bring about destruction. And so I feel like I, I mean I really don't. I mean, I don't see the perp. I don't see a good purpose in this. I, I mean, see it more so as a way to dominate and to control. I, I agree with you. It's funny. It's 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 the argument. It's an age old argument that we'll be having long before uh, we were born and long after we're dead. It's the same argument of basically of like, you know, are we protecting or are we, you know, are we a militaristic society that wants mm-hmm. to go out and conquer? Or are we just trying to make sure that we are able to defend ourselves? And in this instance, it's very similar. You know, some of the things we use for this exoskeleton, mm-hmm. you know, armored, you know, solar panels, biosensors. You can make the argument these are all just to keep our soldiers safe. Yeah. Like we want, for our, first of all, our soldiers are going to be out there. Don't you want them to be safe? Right. Don't you want them to be in the best position? Oh, what? You don't like soldiers to be safe? You don't like soldiers? <laughs> What's wrong with you? You know, so like, <laughs> that's kind of where it goes. And so, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, I think it's I think it's cool. I mean, the sci-fi kind of guy like like you know likes to see it in, in a movie, and I think it's very cool. But Iron Man um, suit for everyone, you know. But like like you're saying, it, it, you know, it's, it's hard it's hard to really to sort of it's hard to not embrace it. It's hard to embrace it. So, but it's but the point is it's here, and it's, and, it's and, here. and so wearables will be will be used for that. <laughs> yeah. So that that's one place we'll see it. Um. All right. Uh, I want I want to transition into. Uh, my where I'm coming from right now because today, <laughs> today? is Godzilla Day. You going in? I'm going. I'm, I might go after this show. <laughs> I, 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 I might go after. I'm, I'm I'm so very excited about this movie. I made it. I made no secrets about it. About five weeks ago, I made no secrets about it. I think last week. Earlier, last week. <laughs> like I'm all in. On Godzilla and fully invested. Huh? I'm fully invested, and you know, like the, the reviews are the reviews are coming back good. Overall, B, you know, review, and, and I, I think that uh, uh, 3D, real D, the sound. I mean, I need the whole package. You get I'm the going, whole immersion. Huh? I'm going to the immersion. I, I hope. I hope I got the. Uh, 
I forget the uh, Atmos, the Dolby Atmos sound. I want the everything. So hopefully we have that. So are you are you are you excited? I mean, I'm definitely excited. Um, not excited, me apparently. I mean, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not super fan like you, but I mean, I well, think- it's not about Godzilla for me. It's just about this particular movie looks great. But gotcha. go ahead. I mean, yeah, I, I think. I mean, for that point, just because it's Godzilla, I would like right. to see you know this reincarnation of it. But like, I mean, yeah, I, I think it'll be a solid movie. I, I have no criticisms about it i think you know that the the actors the the casting is good i think the 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 special effects look dope like we'll we'll see we'll We'll see see. we'll see uh well and it's also just keeping on with that it's something in esquire that i read that was interesting about why godzilla is still relevant yeah um you know and and, and what you know why and actually they make the argument why is godzilla more relevant than ever um and there's a lot of different things they talk about sort of like but the, the the most one of the most interesting uh, interesting things in, in this very interesting article that I, one of the big takeaways I found was that Godzilla has spawned you know since it dropped in the fifties sixty years old that's crazy yeah so it's a, first of all sixty years old but Godzilla has twenty seven sequels that's just in Japan bro dude. 27, that's, it's just Japan, Japan, you're right. But that's a lot, you know, over a dozen video games only yeah, in Japan only, you're right. And then, uh, so not to mention all the other incarnations we've had here. Uh, that's a lot. That, that, that's an enduring thing about one giant, the fascination of the giant, uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex that's gonna come and destroy Tokyo mm-hmm. 27 times. Man. Like, it is, uh, it's still, it's so interesting and relevant to me. Um, I, the, the, what they talk with the article talks about what's happening in real life in terms of uh, what's going on with the with the with the polar, what's going on with the uh, the the Antarctic ice sheet, yeah, how that's the ice melting, caps melting yeah. Yeah, ice caps melting, uh, you know, river, you rising know, our oceans, sea levels, our oceans are will be rising. Mm-hmm. Uh, scientists are no longer talking about uh, you know what we can do to stop it, yeah. the end of the world, but like the, the end of the world's coming. All the buckle coastal, up, all the coastal cities will yeah. be underwater. Yep, mm-hmm. LA, New York, London, mm-hmm. like buckle up, mm-hmm. you know. So Sydney, so uh, but they're also talking about some of these things, these factors that lead to you know in, in, in the fictional world, the Godzillas of the world, yeah, the, fa- the factors that we as humans contribute to damaging our own environment, right. kind of like we were talking about with you know the weaponization of. Of, of certain, of certain technology. It's the same, sure. it's the same principle, like with sure. the atomic, the nuclear weapons. Sure. I mean, that's what Godzilla is, you know, a nuclear disaster. Yes. So I, I think it, I think it, uh, reflects back to us, like, what our responsibility is to, you know, our world. Like, it's one. And right. if, if we can't be so, we can't embrace technology so much that it, it contributes to our destruction. And that's what Godzilla represents. It represents, you know, the Frankenstein, us creating something that turns back and kills us. Fair enough. And also, uh, I, I mean, you think I'm, you're not giving me hype to see this movie. Uh, <laughs> you're supposed to be giving me hyped. Uh, no, but uh, I think that, uh, yeah, I agree with all of that. Uh, I also think that, um, you know, there's that, there's that, there's still that, that, that piece of that, uh, that, that, um, old nuclear bomb that we dropped in the Gulf of Mexico in the 70s or in the 50s i can't remember when we dropped it but it's still floating around in there that may or may not go off it's what and that, and that people still theorize that who knows what re- havoc it's wreaking <laughs> down there or who knows all those old school bombs we left in the south pacific what they're wreaking you know what havoc they're wreaking so anyway well, let me ask you this so i yes. mean you know your own uh maturation as it relates to you know the godzilla franchise like like as a kid, like how important was Godzilla to you? Like, was it something like you were excited about? Like, oh, Godzilla! Did you have toys? Like, 
No, it's funny you ask that because I was no, I wasn't that really all. I wasn't really all freaked out over Godzilla. I mean, I I liked the old black and white stuff, and I did like the idea of Mothra versus Godzilla. I was never really, you know, not until I was older, really liked the idea of the giant monsters battling giant monsters per se. Uh, I didn't really think it was as cool as everyone else did until I was older. Until I was probably my teens, I liked I I got the I liked the idea of it. What I realized is though, when um, excuse me. What I realized is though when um when Pacific Rim came out and Gilman Toro embraced all that and the giant robots fighting giant monsters, I realized, oh yeah, I love this. Right. So now that's why that's got me really geared up for Godzilla. What about you? Um yeah, I, I had a Godzilla uh toy, a few of them. <laughs> um it was actually a, a, my father was a fan of the movie. Oh. And, I mean, I think he got me into it. I just thought it was cool because I was always into dinosaurs and just it was cool to see, you know, a fire breathing, you know, dinosaur. It, it was awesome. Um <coughs> But yeah, I mean, you bring up Pacific Rim, like that, that's why I'm kind of ambivalent. It's like, okay, this is like, you know, we just saw Pacific Rim what last year. Now we're seeing Godzilla. Okay, like, but this is Godzilla, bro. <laughs> He's a star. Uh, Cloverfield, uh, that man. Godzilla will whoop Col- Cloverfield's ass. <laughs> Godzilla will take out Cloverfield. Damn. Is that same? You know, is see, I'll ask you, Lemieux, too. Is 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 the monster in Super Eight? The same as the monster in Cloverfield? No. You sure about that? It Look that not. up. It is not. Look that up. I mean, no, not, not the same monster, not the same monster. I think they were supposed to be like, the monster in Super 8 was the mother of the monster in Cloverfield. Mm. But I think, I remember, I'm not sure. Steven uh, Spielberg would not do that. All right. He creates his own stuff. He wouldn't want it associated with any movie that's not his own. Look it up. He, see, uh, Steven Spielberg was an EP on Super 8. I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. No, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. That, <laughs> he wasn't on Cloverfield. Oh, Super but J.J. Abrams. So J.J. Abrams connected. There's a through line. J.J. Abrams connected to both of them. I'm just All saying. Right. All, All right. right. Look at that. Look at that. All right. So next week, man, we'll do our review on Godzilla. Yeah, well, we'll definitely okay. do that. Uh, okay. So last, I wanna, I'm going to skip this one about superhero movies, uh, uh, Lemieux. Uh, and then, because, um, you know, I, um, but I do want to talk about the old school Sega versus Nintendo war. Um, because it's something that's this is really cool sort of oral history that I read that we read about, and it just reminded me about the old days of those two consoles, yeah. Sega versus Nintendo. Absolutely, and uh, it just really got me thinking about um, you know sort of like you know those days of when it was all about you know I was a Sega guy, yeah, some people Sonic think, versus Sonic versus Mario, Mario. Yeah. and it really sort of set the stage as to what was going on now. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on those old school console days. I mean, yeah, I think it, I think it was an interesting article. Um, it's kind of like you know correlated to hip hop, like an early you know early hip hop <laughs> battle, East Coast West Coast. No, no, early hip hop battle, like Uh-oh. you know what I'm saying, maybe like, like MC Shan versus uh, KRS, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, <laughs> where you know it, you know the marketplace wasn't as diversified as it is now, or wasn't as you know saturated as it is now. You had these right. two standalone, you know, companies going head to head. And like as a kid, like I love both of them. Like, I wanted I wanted every game. I wanted every system, both systems. And right. so um I just remember, you know, playing Mortal Kombat. Man, but, like, you, but you wouldn't bowl you you weren't um I wasn't a loyalist to anything. I wanted I wanted everything. I was a kid. Like right. I want as much as I can get. So I mean but I would say that I preferred Sega for sure. I preferred playing Sega, Mortal Kombat, all that. Um Sonic, like yeah. I just I think the article is interesting, just the, the how it talks about um, kind of like the choices that were made in terms of marketing, like how you know the the original con- concepting of Sonic was more uh, more dark, like he had a uh, spiked hair, 
he was more menacing. Right. Um, I, I just think it was really interesting. What about, what were your takes? I was, I, I was never, ever, ever a Nintendo guy. I was never, all, never. Wow. Never. And to this day, I don't, I don't, I don't think I've finished a Mario. Hmm. I think I played a Mario. Wow. Uh, I, I, I've actually played a little bit of Mario Brothers, but I haven't really Super Mario Kart. But like all any any Nintendo, the only Nintendo game I remember playing with any regularity was Duck Hunt, okay. and I would play that whatever. But I was all in on Sega. I played every Sonic, every everything. In fact, I had a I was a so I was always like a brand loyalist. I I I I, I drew the line. Wow. I drew the line really hard. Rode hard for Sega. Rode hard for Dreamcast. Rode hard <laughs> for Sega Genesis. Real hard for uh, and then and then actually that 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 kind of converted into my love for Xbox, of course. And then now I just roll, I ride hard for Xbox. I for don't sure. know, I don't know why that is or what I do with that with that and, and why that's necessarily a thing. But uh, yeah, that that's that, that happened. I mean, I think I think that's natural. But I mean, you're a little older than me, so as a kid, like oh, I, I just. I was just happy to get what I could get my hands on. Right. So parents said, "Hey, you want you want this? You want that? Like, yeah, I'll take it." We go over to your friend's house, and he has the opposite system, so you get to trade yes. off. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't have that. Yeah, I didn't have that. Um, but we'll see, we'll see. But this kind of brings us where we are with the PlayStation versus Xbox, and and then those wars, and you know, I'm still riding for for the other side, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but this this comes at the heels of like Nintendo being in trouble, like some of the some of their some of their consoles systems being in trouble. Kind of thinks of us to the glory days of, and as we talk, as we look towards E3, which is coming up yeah. in a couple of weeks. Uh, and Nintendo's doing bad. Like for the last three years, they've had an annual loss. Like they are not profitable. No, like they're they're going under. It seems like. Yeah, it's like, just, it's, it's a brand thing. It's just, it's, simply, it's 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 simply brand. It's a brand thing. So uh, anyway, but that's that's it. That's really so. Um, that's all really I got this week. Anything else you want to add? Not man. I think you know short to the point. All right, well, I got I to get out of here. I got to get to Godzilla. I got to get to the to twelve fifteen Godzilla. <laughs> I just looked it up. Um, I think that's it for us, Lemieux. Um, we're, we're, I think we'll, we'll thank you for joining us here. Where can we find you, Mister Akili Shine? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Akili Shine, A K I L I Shine. And uh, see you guys next week. What about yourself? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Joe K Braswell at Joe K Braswell. You can also find me on uh, our sister network After Buzz, doing a bunch of shows, Madman and and uh, some others. But we will uh, see you guys next week. Godzilla! From producers Maria Menounos, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.